We will not be held responsible for any hearing impairments or damage caused to you from excessive exposure to this sound. To this sound. To this sound. To this sound. <laughs> Well, welcome back guys, it's your host Andy and you're listening to 24th episode of Artsy Audio Podcast on air every other Sunday. If you like electronic music and especially German bass, then you are at the right place, so thanks for tuning in. I'm pretty sure D-Bridge needs no introduction, and in case he does, this episode is just for you. I've got few interesting stories lined up, for example how he gained confidence to sing on a record, or the time when he lived on the floor during his first years of making music, but more on that and much more after the first mix. Let's concentrate on some good music now.
Darren Michael White, better known as D-Bridge, is a British musician born in 1973 in UK, currently living in Antwerp, Belgium. Music has always been around him, as his father, who's originally from Jamaica, was a reggae dub artist releasing music in the UK under alias Uncle Ben. When it comes to Darren, his first music came out in 1993. It was a self-pressed slice of techno-dub hardcore jungle under the name The Sewer Monsters, recorded with his brother Steve aka Spacek. A lot of Darren's production knowledge came from his brother, who just got a new equipment thanks to a publishing deal. He would allow Darren to move in his place and live on the floor for two years, giving him a great opportunity to hang around and make his own stuff. They would use a S900 Yamaha keyboard and a digital audio tape machine, so Darren was used to the sounds of an electric keyboard quite early. When it came to software itself, it wasn't such a hassle for Darren either, as he could write computer languages at the time thanks to his school studies, so they'd use programs like Cubase on old Atari computers. As the time went by, Darren really wanted to concentrate on his music, but couldn't be bothered with getting a proper job. He would leave off the government which allowed him to produce more, and maybe also provided some cash for the wheat. This however wouldn't provide enough finances to be able to afford any gear, so it was all about searching for places where he could make music. All this eventually led him to work in Dub Hustlers, a crew with Lenny D-Ice and GMC Blood. He'd spend his days in Lenny's studio, but was still really green, just a little kid in the corner. That didn't prevent him to meet the Giants though, as Navigator, Groove Rider and DJ Hybe would come to the house, so Darren felt like he was let into the inner cycle at an early age. In 1994, Darren would release a track with Lenny, Crash Test Number 2, making the first release under the alias D-Bridge. To be exact though, his full name at the time was D-Bridge Flipski for some reason. In terms of his production process, Darren says that a lot of his influence came from the 80s pop. Underground music actually didn't really seep through. He loved Duran Duran, Depeche Mode or Simple Minds, basically things that are quite obvious, but had these signature melodies. You could also find him sampling everything that he could. Radio shows, video was a big source, TV, just anything his recorder would connect to. Duran still didn't have the money to be collecting records at this point, but Lenny had a pretty decent collection, so he would go through that and find sounds there also. As the scene swallowed him even deeper, he would eventually meet Jason Maldini. Jason was already working at the label called Trouble on Vinyl out of their place in London and Darren was obviously going out with his own stuff so there was this mutual appreciation of what they wanted to do that would lead them to form the duo Future Forces Inc. They were producing the sort of stuff that would cater for Trouble on Vinyl but it wasn't what they really wanted to do. There it was more of a jump up side of things and they were from the Dillinja and Fotex school. Thanks to their ambition to be different, they kinda forced the creation of Renegade hardware in 1995 in order to have a platform suitable for their sound, and D-Bridge even designed the logo for this label. He began DJing around this time too. He never really saw himself as a DJ, and in some ways he still doesn't, as it really used to scare the shit out of him. As the time went by, there would be also releases under his new alias, Monochrome, but not everything went ideally after that. Renegade Hardware tried to make Maldini and D-Bridge sign contracts with their individual names rather than as future forces. They, of course, disagreed, which launched a wave of artists leaving the label, including both of our protagonists. The producers Fresh and Vegas have been coming down prior to this happening, already doing some tunes with D-Bridge and Maldini, only to realize they may have something going on there. All four started chatting and decided to do something together, and guess what? Bad Company was born. 
What really brought them together though was the fact that music then was so difficult financially. They all had bits of equipment they could join together to make music but didn't have enough individually. And that in a lot of ways is how the scene was built. And by the way, Maldini and Debridge also designed the Bad Company logo, so I guess they could have been the designers if the music gig didn't work out. Obviously Bad Company would go on to produce the most legendary tunes and albums this scene has ever seen, but this and the exact terms of their formation is probably a topic for a separate episode. As always, everything nice comes to an end, and so did Bad Company. The formation proved to be too difficult for Debridge, as towards the end he found that personally he wasn't into the music that was going out under the name, not feeling comfortable to be connected with it. At the same time though, he was comfortable making the money he was making as a DJ, so there was quite a dilemma there. Another difficulty was that their studio was in Fresh House. It was no one's fault of course, but it was geared mainly around him. It was collaborative, but at the same time it really wasn't, because if Fresh wasn't into something, then it never went any further. All in all, it was a great run of course and they are now reunited anyway, with new album being released on Ram Records in just two weeks. After 16 years, mind you. Now onto the next chapter. Darren found his own label, Exit Records, in 2003 out of a desire to move away from a typical club-style German bass sounds to more ambient and experimental soundscapes, returning to old-school production styles. Over the time it has developed to encompass styles beyond strictly German bass and since 2014 Exit Records has become a fully independent label, providing their own pressing and distribution, so obviously it worked out pretty well. Let me go back to early 2000s one more time. There was a record called The Bellini True Romance released on Goldie's Metalheads in 2004 that really helped to cement Debridge as someone who can make different styles. Darren was still working with Maldini and Vegas at the time and they wanted the release to go under the name Bad Company, but Debridge disagreed. It of course caused problems, but Darren felt he really needed to get it out on his own and as Vegas helped him with the production, he also got his name on there. Debridge continued to enjoy his new self, eventually releasing his first solo album, The Gemini Principle, in 2008. At first, he kind of struggled to find the motivation to finish it, so he decided to cut the weed out completely, looked back at the thing he's done and finished them properly. 2009 marked the first time that Darren sang on the track and his first time he'd written a song. The track is called These Words by Martin, kind of an abstract electronic style type of music when I looked at it. Darren didn't know if he could really sing, always having self-doubt in what he does as it was with DJing, but Calibre came to the rescue and gave him the confidence to sing when he started doing it. As Darren grew older, he eventually started to explore different styles of electronic music. The thing with drum and bass, he says, is that it's mostly for younger people and always will be, so he started to lean towards the more major genres such as techno or house under the alias Velvet. What he enjoys the most about trying a different genre is the fact that he completely stresses himself when doing digs. German bass is second nature to him, but when it comes to this house thing, he always thinks he's doing it wrong. He would go on to release his first piece under the new name on his own label in 2011, with multiple other releases following on various labels. And since he loves collaborations, in 2014 Darren teamed up with Kid Drama and released the Hard Drive podcast, reminiscent of the autonomic podcasts he used to do a bit earlier with Instrumental. The aforementioned podcasts have been largely responsible for dragging drum and bass out of a seriously knuckle-headed rut by concentrating on a high-tech production, absorbing elements of electronica, European and Detroit techno and dubstep into their agenda. Fusing this into a mass of ultra-modern beat science, they became another landmark in Darren's career. 
Now that's about it from the history books, well, let me say two more of Darren's opinions that I feel are really worth mentioning. When people send him music, he's very picky, but at the same time when another artist wants to do something for him, he generally trusts them. Being a producer as well, he doesn't like the idea of someone telling him about his music, so he takes the same approach with others. He's also still really surprised that he gets booked for the parties, as he doesn't care about the club environment much, as the music he makes is not built for clubs. His belief is that the problem with producing on a computer is that everyone has access to the same palette of sounds. That bores him and he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Supposedly he counteracts that by having really good producers on his label who do club music, keeping the healthy balance. So there you have it. Believe it or not, this all is just a small part of the info that was out there, but we got to listen to some music also, don't we? Let's see then if his music fits the club environment or if it doesn't.
things, they come and go I'm here, where are you?
AK-47s. I seen 12 gauge shotguns. I seen 12 gauge um, pumps, A shoes. I seen um, 45 um, military special with clip on the street. I seen uh, fucking Thompson, damn Thompson. I seen, I've seen hand grenades. I've seen big hand bazookas made. Damn things hit you just, just as getting hit with a gun. I've seen 22 zip guns. I've seen 38 zip guns. I've seen, I'll tell you, there's about things that you think you never see on the street. I've seen, I've seen dynamite on the street. I've seen all of this. You'd be surprised, man. Pretty soon they're gonna steal the damn atom box. After making this episode one of the tracks that big, just look in the description, that became my absolute most new favorite. It just, it just wow. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and as usual you can search for more drum and bass related stuff at Artsy Audio socials. If that's Facebook, Instagram or artsyaudio.com, I'll be glad to see you there. This was the 24th episode of Artsy Audio Podcast on D-Bridge. I really do appreciate you could have spent the time with me here today. It's really sunny outside and I'm going to Arcadia, London to see Noisia and the whole Ram Records crew. So I'm definitely gonna have fun and you do too. I'll see you in two weeks sharp. You've listened to Artsy Audio Podcast, a bi-weekly electronic music show hosted by Andy. See you on Sunday in two weeks sharp. Done.